Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome back to Legally Clueless. I'm super happy that you listen to this podcast. If this is your first time here, I would highly recommend that you listen from episode one onwards, but hey... <laughs> do what you want if it makes more sense for you listening backwards why not so first and foremost i just want to give a huge huge shout out hugs love everything positive vibes to all of you who sent your one minute demos to the legally clueless hotline so of course we have the feature that is 100 african stories and i've opened it up to you so you can tell your story as well so all you have to do is send a one minute whatsapp audio note telling me a bit about the story that you want to share remember it's got to be a story of something that you have witnessed or experienced and so i've gotten a couple of you and this week i've recorded five of you so what happens i'm getting ahead of myself is you send me the one minute whatsapp audio note just tell me a bit about your story i will send you some story prompts made specifically for your story just to kind of help you flesh it out after that we'll set a date where i can record the story remotely And I'm so excited because I have this new software that makes it so much better for me to record stories remotely. I am a podcast nerd like that. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm going to kick things off with the song that I'm digging this week, which is from someone who I've always said in previous episodes I love. Now, if you've been constantly listening to Legally Clueless, you know that I love Lizzo, John Almone, India Re, Erica Badu. If this is your first episode ever, <laughs> because you've decided not to listen from episode one, now you know. So I do share a song. Well, at least now I do share a song that I'm digging every week, just because I feel like music is very powerful in like inspiring you, changing your mood, making you feel good, making you, um, for those of us who sometimes want to cry. <laughs> I need a bit of help in like getting those tears out. I have a whole playlist for that, imagine. But anyway, I have a very deep relationship with music as somebody who consumes music. So the song that I'm digging this week is by Lizzo and it's called Coconut Oil. It's a really simple song, but it, it's, it feels like your typical black gospel song, but it is not a gospel song. It just has, I think the chords are very gospely at the beginning. Hey, chords. I sound like such a music connoisseur. <laughs> Chord and tweet. Anyway, no, seriously, I really like it, especially because of there's a line that says, Mama always told me it would be all right. That line speaks to me. I've shared that line on my Instagram from the song so many times because in the last months before my mom died, one thing that she always used to say was, it's never that serious, it'll always work out. Now at the time, saying it's never that serious was like what the cool kids used to say. So I just used to focus on the fact that my mom was officially a cool kid because she was saying this kafriz. (laughs) Oh, Adele, youth. In hindsight, I really do understand it where when you're going through a challenge and things are not kind of going your way or there's something stressful happening, which I'm pretty sure there is now because the ripple effect of Corona is real. You kind of have to step back and do two things. One, 
is to think about this one thing that is stressing you, what's its role in the bigger picture, right? So let's say even one month from now, is it still going to be something that is worth stressing about? Sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't. And the second thing is, and I've been trying to do this because I really overstress and it's just such a bad habit. Just acknowledging what is in my control and what is not. Because I found that at least maybe 60 to 70% of the things that I stress about are beyond my control. So the stress that I'm having is really futile because I can't enforce any solution or genuinely they're beyond my control. Because I, I stress about everything. I even stress about not having stress. Like when everything is calm, I'm like, why is it calm? Hmm, what haven't I done? And then I get stressed up again. I stress about good things. I stress about bad things. So I'm just trying to learn how to be aware of what I have control over so that if I am stressing over something that I can control or solve, then I get to that phase of solving it before the stress consumes me. Yeah, I think those two really help. Anyway, I moved so far from the song. Check out the song. I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode. As usual, if there's a particular song that you love or have been overplaying this week, am I the only person who does that? Like when I love a song, I listen to it every day until I get tired of it. Um, I want to know what that song is for you. So send it to me on the podcast hotline. The podcast hotline is plus 254-768-628-790. That's also the hotline that you're sending your one-minute demo if you want to share your story on this podcast. Coolio, but I'll also put it in the description box as well. Oof, so many things in the description box. Away from that, I had no idea that this was Easter weekend. I feel like this work from home weird situation we're in has really disoriented me in terms of knowing what day of the week is because I'm genuinely doing a bit of work every day except mainly Wednesdays because before Corona, Wednesdays used to serve as my Sundays because Sundays I normally produce Legally Clueless. So on Wednesdays, I like keep my work to a bare minimum just so that I can breathe, watch movies, etc., etc. Yeah, so I was just like, how comes on Friday morning, Good Friday, like, why is my husband not going to work? Because <laughs> he's still going from, to work. He's not working from home because his job requires him to be at work. I, I was so disoriented. <laughs> but anyway, it's not like Easter weekend was a big deal for me anyways. You know how people have plans. Oh, we're going on a road trip, blah, blah, blah. There really was nothing for me to look forward to it. Back to the disorientation. Disorientation? Disoriented? Back to being disoriented <laughs> during this period. I'm really trying to stick to my routine. So I exercise every morning. I'm so proud of myself. I do 60 squats every morning, guys. And the pain is getting less. You know, the pain around your thighs and like your bum. My pain is reducing, which means... Uh, it probably means that I should increase the number of squats I'm doing, but I'm going to hold on that. Weirdly enough, because I see people on social media really sharing how they are eating too much, snacking a lot. I'm not eating enough. Now, before I thought it was like a good thing, but upon further thinking, I think it's probably linked to my anxiety, like where you have reduced appetite. 
I really don't feel like my anxiety is at the forefront right now, but subconsciously, I think it's there. I do have moments where I'm just like, oh, what's gonna, what's what's life gonna be like after this, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, I think my lack of appetite is probably linked to that. It hit me this week how important it is for me to change that. So I'm currently having like one and a half meals a day, which is just wrong. Like dinner is what I'll eat, and because now I've increase the number of greens and veggies that I put into my meal I'm like oh I'm so healthy but really I'm not <laughs> I'm basically starving myself the entire day right and I lose weight very quickly and it's very hard for me to put on weight and I noticed that I've lost weight using my telltale sign so you know how People have that specific pair of pants that when they wear, they realize, oh, it's loose, which means I've lost weight, things like that. Mine is my head gets big. I can't. I <laughs> it sounds ridiculous even just saying it. But honestly, my head just appears super humongous. And I was taking a photo this last week and I looked at it afterwards. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? do we have here what is happening how 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 i got to the point that my weight loss telltale sign is my head looks ridiculously bigger i was once in a really toxic relationship which was like i think a couple of months after my mom passed away i got into this relationship with someone who at the time was like a friend I had just joined KISS. I was work working two jobs because like in this relationship, I would find myself using money so frivolously. I don't know if you've ever been in such a situation, even just with, like friends, where you find yourself paying for stuff that you really, A, the two of you don't need that stuff. B, what the hell, right? And so even if I had two jobs, you'd expect that, okay, you have extra income. So now you're like saving more, investing more, nothing. Like... <laughs> It was just such a weird relationship. And so I'd leave my shift on air, dash to my second job, dash to his house, we'd have dinner together, then dash to my house, and then do this consistently for five days. And the relationship was not a happy zone. So you can imagine, like, I wasn't eating. You know, when Facebook brings up Facebook memories, right? And it's pictures from that time while I was in that relationship. I'm always like, who is this chick? I can't recognize myself anymore. I can't recognize the clothes I'm wearing. My eyes just look so dull. And my head looks hella big because I had lost weight. I'm thin now. I was stick thin then. Anyway, I remember immediately after that relationship ended, looking in the mirror and just being like, what the heck? Who is this chick? <laughs> like, how did we even get here? But I guess I guess some things only make sense in hindsight. And as Kadza said in episode 30 of this podcast, growth is such a beautiful thing. Anyway, so that's how I know I've kind of like lost weight and I'm not too happy about it because it reminds me of that really dark time in my life. So now I'm really sticking to like my eating and my sleep patterns. I'm like every morning, <laughs> what's for breakfast? Like really taking care of myself. And I think it's important. I've I've seen also on social media people saying how they can't sleep. Their sleeping patterns are disrupted. It's so important to like make sure you're getting 
enough number of hours of sleep because that directly affects even just your general mood and also your mental health. I'm sorry, guys. That's a Buddha Buddha guy in the background. He's <sighs> blasting Calligraph Jones. <laughs> anyway, also on social media, I have I've seen two things that are very irritating to me. One is like people who are calling out other people for how they're coping. So if you're one of those guys who's calling out people for going live or you're calling out people for doing all of the different challenges that there are, just stop. This is a very traumatic experience, but it's also unique. Many of us have never experienced anything like this. And so sometimes I feel like I've gone on live not so many times, but sometimes I think one was I hadn't done a live in a long time and I find it very fun. And then the second time was just to like check in on people in my online community, like how are they doing, how are they coping with everything that's happening. The challenges, I think, would help people just run away from everything corona for a while, right? And still feel like they're having some contact with their friends and their people. So it's it's how people are coping. And I think if somebody's coping mechanism is not infringing on your rights, it's not insulting anybody, it's fine. The second thing I've seen that's irritating me is that whole quote of, if you don't come out of this downtime, having learned a language, or a skill. You don't lack time. You lack discipline. Again, you cannot compare your work output now with your work output before corona. This is a weird time we're in. It's traumatic. There's so many distractions, both internally because you're worried, you're uncertain about certain things, and externally because you don't know if, yes, somebody has all of this time, but they just lost their job. Or they just lost their source of income. Your mind is racing with all of these thoughts that your work output can't be at the same level. And I feel like people are already feeling guilty because of that. They don't need you to put up any dumb quotes to make them feel even worse. Vent over. (laughs) Some good things that I did see this week though. And I have to shout out Kenyatta University students Obviously, there were some lecturers involved in this who built a prototype ventilator. If they receive the funding and everything they need to start production, they could be able to make 50 ventilators every week. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. And I'm just so proud of the students and the entire team. But I'm also very thankful to them using their skill to try and innovate to help solve the problems created by this pandemic. So I want to jump into the 100 African story right now. It is a story by Nyambura, who is a Kenyan musician. And she talks about two heart attacks, finding out she's pregnant. And it's so interesting because at a point in the story, I was actually asking if love can really be unconditional or not. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. Hi, my name is Nyambura. <laughs> I don't know. My voice tells me out a lot, so people will probably know who exactly this is. But um, I'm from uh, Nakuru. I will say I'm from Nakuru because 
People love to say that I'm from Nairobi, but no, I pride myself in in having come from Nakuru. We call it County 032, Nakuru, Kenya. It's a small town. I was born and raised there. I did not have big dreams. I lie if I say that I had big dreams. When I was in school, ideally I loved loved being on stage. I loved being um in front of people and doing stuff. And it's something that actually say happening when I was I think Four years old, three years old. When when I was in nursery school, when I was in kindergarten, I still have pictures of me being on stage, and it's quite interesting that that has actually been my life to where I am right now. I'm 33 years old now, and that has been my life, just always been on stage. I found myself in the music industry. I found myself in the entertainment space by accident. I remember the first time that I actually got interested in music. It was a time and an age in Kenya where. All of a sudden we had young people come into the scene and they were doing music and it was so fascinating for me. The likes of Isa, the likes of Nameless, the likes of um Timbadi Malo. <laughs> you I, I was so fascinated by the fact that people could actually sit and sing and put that music in something that I could be able to listen to on radio on a CD or on a cassette. Yes, we used to have cassettes back in the day, y'all. I just said I was 33 years old so you you totally understand the fact that we did the whole cassette thing. It was very fascinating for me. So when I was in high school, but like, to be honest, I don't even know how I ended up in a studio, but what I remember is that I met some people who kept on talking about production and I just happened to find myself in a space where someone had a computer and he had fruity loops and I saw him moving small small things on the screen and they were making music and i got so fascinated because i had been thinking i'd been wondering how is all this really made in essence when when you do think about something a lot it presents itself to you that is exactly what happened in my circumstance because i kept on thinking about how can this be done and at that time i was in i was in high school i was in form 2 i was in uh, my second year of high school so for me to actually be thrown into that space I'll be very honest I don't know how it happened <laughs> I don't know how it happened I always keep on saying that my safe space in the, is in the studio and that is the truth I run away from it so many times and I'm I try not to be in the studio as much but so many times when I get into that space I am just I don't know it, it comes so natural to me I'll, I'll quote what Whitney Houston said sometime back when she was um producing um what was Sparkle the movie Sparkle And she said acting did not come naturally to her because music comes so much more naturally to her. And that's exactly the space that I'm in. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you guys, I'm also an actress. <laughs> <laughs> And how I got I stumbled into acting is also a story for another day. I remember having a conversation a long time ago and there's a lady in the industry, I'm not going to tell you her name, but I asked her, I asked her, I find myself singing, but now I'm finding myself acting. What should I choose? And she said, "Do everything. You only live one life. If you can do so much in your life, do it." I remember a point where music started making sense for me. Uh, the Kenya Red Cross. Um, I happened to be um, a volunteer for the Kenya Red Cross. They had a concert, and I told them, "Yo, I have a song. I can perform." And there were all these big acts on stage, and little me, seventeen, eighteen years old. saying that I have a song they got so fascinated and they gave me that platform and I went on stage I posted just the other day and my cousin was on stage with me that is my first honest memory of 
telling myself this can actually work. I performed way earlier than everyone else. But there was a small crowd that was actually cheering me on. They had no idea my what my music was. By that time, I had shaved my hair completely. You can go to my it's okay. You can go into my Instagram and check out the video. But yeah, I had short hair. Had no sense of style because I was just in jeans and a long sleeve T-shirt. And I had fungad akitama. Oh, fungad by the fungad is I had tied. I had tied um 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 what's a less what's a less yeah it's a scarf yeah. I it was a gangster scarf with big loops. Oh my god, that was a sense of style that I had then. <laughs> And I said, you know what? Let's do this. And it was so much fun. I remember stepping out of that stage and going like, wow. I have had so many moments where I've wanted to quit music. Just like the way you'd have a love relationship with a fellow human being and you just want to give up on someone. I feel like again, like I had said, music being a jealous lover or entertainment industry being a jealous lover, I have wanted so many times to just say, you know what? I'm done with this. And in so many ways I feel like I'm in that space. I am in that space because I remember having conversations with my management and I'm like, you know what? Do what you want me. Me, I'm just I'm just following your your lead. You want me to so sing with who? Okay, cool. No problem. What time do you want me to be in the studio? Okay. Sometimes you do get to a space where you just want to be driven. When you're starting the drive is really there because you really want to do stuff. You really want to do stuff. But after you've accomplished so much, you really want to have another drive. So for me, my drive and my focus I feel like has shifted a bit when it comes to music, when it comes to going to the studio. This is so much for so many other people, not really for myself, you know? So when I when I see people talking about um oh, we need more music from you, I'm like, "So, you can have it." Oh, okay, you can have it, but Okay, cool. Okay. You want to Okay, cool. It's not really for me anymore, you know? And how this started, I think, was it spiraled from from the death of my dad. Sorry, guys, I'm going to be a bit emotional, but okay. Nah, I'll, I'll stay strong. Ah, I shall stay strong. But yeah, it started spiraling from the death of my dad when I started questioning a lot about life. The only thing that's guaranteed about life is death. So you never know what life is is going to be, but you know that there's an end to it. So my life I feel like started becoming a bit more conscious and a bit awakened from the time my dad passed on because he just had a heart attack. We thought he was going to be okay. Then all of a sudden, he was not okay. And he had a second heart attack, which was a little bit more severe now because his heart had already, um, it was already a bit too, his heart, his heart was a bit too weak to be able to survive another heart attack. And he passed on. He wasn't very old. He wasn't old at all. He, he had just clocked into his 50s. He had a full life ahead of him. But I feel like during that time, he questioned a lot. And it made us question a lot. Made me question a lot. And I think that's when now I, I I got into that zombie state of questioning so so much, you know. Then um <coughs> Okay. Then after that so many other things happened and I questioned love, you know? I questioned every single person that came into my life claiming to love me. I I locked out so many people. And I think grief gives you almost like a sieve because you you are very conscious about the person who's coming into your life and for what reason 
they're coming into your life. I just, I locked myself into a space where I didn't want interaction. I didn't want human interaction. To a greater extent, it helped me. <laughs> it's so weird. To a greater extent, it helped me because it fueled me back into the industry. And that's the time now I did so much work. But then again, I felt like something inside me was missing. And I wanted to feel something more than just having a career and just having a love for music. I do have someone, I have a love interest in my life right now. And we have a beautiful son. But still, I go back to question so much. In fact, many of the times that we have quarrels and blah, blah, it's because I question so much. I question love. I question care. I question concern. I question I question how someone can just be unconditional with you. You know, how does unconditional love work? Honestly, how, how, how does it work? How can you not have conditions to something? <laughs> How can you just go blindly into something and say, you know what? It is okay. <laughs> it is okay. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'll still love you the same. But I'm understanding that. I'm understanding that through the love that I have for my son. He broke a very, very expensive vase <laughs> that I've had for over five years <laughs> that I love so much. And the first thing that I did was to check if he was hurt. And then I spanked him a bit later. <laughs> Two minutes later, he came to me and he's just like, Mom, Mom. And all that anger just disappeared. I think my son is teaching me what love is. He's teaching me how to let things go. It is really helping me go through so much. And it's helping me actually almost like realign with a purpose that I didn't know I had. Because now it's not just about the music. It's about what impact what's the impact and not just about music it's what's my impact what am i doing what will people think of me later what will they say i remember her for i remember her for as i have stepped into my 30s 13 years in the game i have discovered something more like a mental shift it's not even about my career shift it's more of a personal shift I don't feel the need to perform for people if I don't feel like I need to perform for people. Is there a fear of how I used to be when I was 18 as compared to now? I don't think I have that fear. Right now, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what someone will think of me if I voice a concern or voice an opinion. In my 20s, I would not tweet about, oh, this person, this and that. No. But right now in my 30s, I'm like, you know what? I don't care what you feel like you need to to sound politically correct. No. Right now, I just feel like if I feel like I need to say something, and this is something that's even happening with my love interest. If I'm angry, I'd rather just get that anger out of me and we move on past it. You know, I don't want to hold things anymore inside me. I feel like, again, it goes back to life being so short. Yeah? If you keep holding things in, when you are now in a certain stage in life, you realize that they're not worth it. They are not worth it at all. They're not worth it at all. I'm walking so confidently into my future, realizing that I want things for myself. I want love. I want appreciation. I want a glass of wine. I want a whiskey. Yo, it's, I'm good. If you have a problem with that, you can have a problem with that. But me, I'm good, you know. When you are in an industry like mine, you're conditioned to always perform. You're conditioned to always be in a performance, yeah? If you're taking a picture, 
you have to hide this, you have to hide that, you have to do this, you have to do that. But I've gotten to a space where, yo, I'm embracing my flaws. If I'm not at the weight that I want to be at, I'll talk about it. And funny enough, those are the interactions that always get the most, most conversations. Because people are like, I am dealing with that too, you know. If my face is not right and I'm dealing with acne and I'm dealing with this and that, I talk about it. I'm not going to air filter and airbrush my photos so that I can make you happy. No, I'm dealing with this, but that's the situation. I'm sorry, but that's the situation. But then truthfully, do you ever just sit down and look back five years ago about what you were going through? I remember when I was when I was of, with child, I was in such a state. I was like, okay, so after this, what next? I'm going to be a mom. Okay, so what next? Am I still going to be performing? How am I going to be able to balance all this? There were so many things at the back of my mind, wondering and questioning God and even asking him, yo, are you honestly... Because now the funniest thing is that it was something that I wanted for the longest time. I was like, I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. And then God's like, okay, here. See you wanted. Here you go. Then now I'm questioning God. I'm going to... Hold up. How am I going to do this? <laughs> okay. There were conditions to me being a mom, God. Come on. Okay. There was supposed to be this, 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 this. These are the things that were supposed to have worked out first. So I could be able to become a mom. But okay. You've thrown me into, into this. What am I supposed to do? Right now, I'm looking back and I'm like, why was I so scared? That consciousness of, of, of fear, I think, has come. Now, I'm always conscious of, yes, I am scared, but things will work out. When I'm in that space of fear, of course, I, you have to have a battle within yourself. You're going to have a battle within yourself. You're going to ask yourself so many questions. You're going to cry, but you're going to feel sorry for yourself for a bit. All that is part of the process. So allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to feel like you're inadequate sometimes. Allow yourself to feel all these things. But at the end of the day, do not allow yourself to stick in that situation for too long. I remember the time when I found out that I was going to become a mom. First and foremost, I had already had a suspicion that this was what was happening. But I wasn't very sure. I remember I was uh, shooting a music video and I was constantly tired. Now that I look back at it, I'm going like, oh, that could have actually already been happening, you know. But I remember being constantly tired. Then one day I just spoke to uh, to Baba M and I asked him, yo, I think something is happening. Should we have a test? Actually, I told him I'm going to go do a test. I wanted to do the test by myself. I wanted to go through the emotions by myself. I wanted to go through everything by myself. I don't know why, but whenever I find myself in a situation that requires me to be vulnerable, I want to be strong. And I don't want anyone near me when I'm going through that process. And I, it's actually something that happened to me when I was... You know, we were burying my dad. I did not cry that entire time. Then after, that's when I locked myself in a room for like a week. And I was like, you know what? Okay, now it's time for me to to cry. And this happened again when I found out that I was pregnant. I wanted to be by myself. I wanted to do the test by myself. But this is what happened. The father to my child left the house like we, we, we I was spending the, 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 the weekend with him at that time. He left, went got a kit, <laughs> did not tell me where he was actually, he didn't even tell me where he was going. He just, yo, I have something I need to do, um, so I can leave you here and then I'll come back later. I was like, oh, no problem. He left. Upon coming back home, 
he came with the kittens like, I want us to do this together. So we tested, found out I was pregnant. It was a wave of emotions. Oh my God. I was confused for the better part. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know whether I was supposed to be happy. I knew I was supposed to be happy, but my mind was trying to register, okay, are we ready to do this? You know, we had been together for quite a while at the time. But still, I was feeling like, I'm not sure I'm at the space, especially my career. Because this is the time I just started doing international collaborations. So there was going to be a lot of traveling. So that had to be shut down momentarily. I had to start thinking, okay, um, um, have I saved enough to be able not to work for some time? I wasn't sure about that. That whole consciousness of you're pregnant... I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about, okay, oh snap, can I handle this? Can I do this? And I wasn't thinking about my partner. Here is someone who has committed to you. He is someone who has told you, we're going to do this together. I wasn't thinking about him. He contributed to this situation right here and we can do this together. And that he's there. It has taken me time to, to be vulnerable. It has taken me time to understand that I have help. It's hard. Even the ego and the pride kicks in and you're like, so why am I? Please, come on. Mm. A whole me. I to tell, tell someone, yo, I care about you. You know what? I need you. No, I don't. <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to, to show someone that other side of you. It's really, really tough. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. One thing I really identified with in... Nyambura's story is when she started talking about how grief changes you fundamentally. It breaks certain bits in you. Sometimes the break is bad, obviously, but sometimes the break forces you to redefine and rethink certain things you thought were true about life, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that really stood out for me because one of the big things that I think grief changed for me is that I'm really not scared of death, but I'm petrified of grief. So I'm not scared of dying, but I'm scared of my loved ones dying because I'll have to grieve them, right? So I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> because, you know, death is inevitable, um, how I can best prepare for that. And I know that sounds so morbid, but yeah, I think that's one of the major changes grief gave me. But also it did force me to kind of like think about things that I've always wanted to do or always wanted to try out. And because life is so fleeting, be more intentional about trying out those things. Everything that I put on the back burner, maybe because of self-doubt or fear, because of grief, it's made me more intentional about making sure I do those things because I know I just don't have all the time in the world here. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Just a reminder, remember you have an opportunity to share your story on Legally Clueless. Check the description of this episode. You'll find the podcast hotline. Send a one-minute WhatsApp audio notes telling me a bit about your story and we will take it from there. Cool. And you can send me songs that you're liking this week as well. Make sure you check out Lisa's Coconut Oil. Ooh, another thing, if you want to join our tribe, we are on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast.
And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. Legally Clueless.